0: Okay, so welcome everybody. Today is, I always do this and I can never remember what day of the week. Monday. Today is Monday the 31st of January Uh, and um, we are delighted to be joined by two of our contributors. So myself and Judith Lamy will be uh, talking to uh, two of our contributors who will introduce themselves in due course. But uh, hopefully today we're just going to have a conversation about what it's like to write a book, what it's like to contribute um, and indeed some of the thoughts that our colleagues have on where we are with education and where things are going. So if, if I hand over to, to my colleague Judith to sort of set the scene a little bit more and then we'll, we'll introduce our two guest I was going to say guest speakers, guest writers, guest contributors, guest (laughs) authors, I guess. It's guest everything, so... um, Hello. Hello, hello, everyone. Fellow
1: authors.
2: Fellow authors,
0: there you go. Wonderful. Perfect.
1: Fellow
2: (laughs) authors. It's, it's, you know, it's great to see you, Bevan and Tabby, in person. Although, Tabby, I know we we have met, of course, haven't we, virtually, because we had a session last year, which was terrific. Thank you so much for... For joining us today, um, as, as Chris has said, you know we wanted to take an opportunity to hear a little bit about you in person. Uh, but to start off by thanking you for helping us with our book on the evolution of transnational education. Uh, certainly, when we first uh, started to to write it or or think. About you know the process of, of bringing together a, a book during uh, during the, the health pandemic, just after the UK had left Brexit, you know, quite a quite a challenging time for many of us. Uh, one thing we were really keen to do was to involve our colleagues and some t- and our friends and and those that we've collaborated with uh, a number of years across the sector. But more importantly, probably we were really keen. To be talking to to those of you right the, the you know the, the, the cutting edge of of higher education and those of you that, that have probably come into higher education as well relatively recently. so we're really, we're really grateful um, to, to, that the, a number of of uh, yourselves and and now fellow authors were able to to join us to help us bring our bring our book together. And I think to contribute and really make our, our chapter twelve in in the book about student voice, about your voice, uh, really come to life. And we're so we're so we're so grateful for that. And uh, and although we think, and like all of the chapters in our book, of course we do. I think we've got a real special place for the chapter twelve um, because there's such a lot there, and it really does bring those voices together. So we're we're just so keen today to hear a little bit more, I suppose, from, from, from yourselves, uh, Bevan and Tabby, in terms of, you know, your your thoughts around some of the things that we talked about in, in that chapter. But maybe just to, to to get the ball rolling, um, maybe you'd just like to tell us a little bit about yourselves first, you know, and, uh, and what your what you're studying, how you decided to be studying, what, what, uh, what you're studying, where you are now. So shall I hand over to you first, Bevin, to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Of course, thank you so much, thank you for having me. Um, so yes, I'm Bevin, I am currently a third year student at the University of London Institute in Paris, um, and I'm studying international politics with a minor in French. Um, and I had quite a long-winded journey to higher education. I um, finished my A-levels in 2016 and I was originally supposed to go to the University of Southampton to study politics and philosophy, but I think I was just a little bit burnt out. (laughs) Um, So I figured I would um, try and handle something a bit different. So I actually ended up applying for um, an apprenticeship at the Greater London Authority and I worked with their uh, then I think it was called the diversity and inclusion team but I think now it's social integration and community engagement Um, I worked with them for a year and off the back of that then I got a job working at the health team there first as a policy and project support officer and then a, a subsequent job still in the health team. But I really I really loved the experience, I really loved the work I was doing and I suppose then when I decided I was going to come to university, it was, um, I suppose, with the intention that I would be able to go directly back into that line of work but progress faster and, and do more because I would be higher qualified. Um, and so then choosing to come here, there was the excitement of actually being in Paris. I've been studying in Paris for the past almost three years now, um, but I have discovered that actually being here, I really love the course. I love the content we've covered. I love the opportunity to do independent research. And so now I'm hoping to maybe go on and do some do further study afterwards, but that's me. <laughs> that's that's great
2: that's great Bevan well we'll pick up on a on a few of more of those uh, points a little
3: bit later on uh, but over to you Tabby tell us a little bit about yourself um so I did the traditional thing I did my GCSE, IA levels and went straight to uni at 18 um, and I did a BA honours in psychology and media in Leeds which I enjoyed I really loved it and then at 21 was like, oh, my God, I did everything they wanted me to do. <laughs> what do I do now? Um, so I kind of faffed around a bit, call centres, warehouses, just any anything. Just And then figured out I wanted, I wanted to be a social worker. So at 24, I went back to the University of Manchester and did my master's in social work, um, specialising in child protection. And I was then a social worker for many years uh, in Manchester and in London, well, I loved it. I love my job. Um, but then my husband had an opportunity to come to Abu Dhabi um, to work here. So we were like, OK, we've always wanted to travel. Let's do this. Um, I had a little girl at the time. I fell pregnant pretty much straight away when I got to Abu Dhabi. So I've got two big little girls, six and a seven-year-old. And I fell into, I literally, everyone says, how did you get this job? And I. And I. And my whole life I've fallen into stuff, to one. And I fell into this job at Zayed University because they had a social work program they wanted a practitioner um so then I started teaching social work which is really kind of non-existent in the UAE but they wanted to start bringing it up but during the time I was teaching the program it got closed uh, my boss really liked me and then moved me over to education and I started teaching kind of child development stuff and and she, my dean at the time, really pushed me and was like, "You need to do a PhD. You need to do a PhD. You need to do a PhD." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I just—it's too much. I just." Oh. And then I was like, "Okay, I see. I—I I, you know, I—I I just need more options. I don't want to go back to social work. I've really enjoyed my stint at Zyde University, so let's do it." And so then I applied to do the PhD, and then uh, and then COVID happened. So I've kind of done most of it online. Um, so yeah, this is my third stint and each, apart from the first one, the second and third one, it's been a, it's been a calculated decision, you know, this, to do the PhD, I sat down with my husband and we looked at, you know, can we do this financially, time-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then COVID happened and it's all been a blur for one of another word, <laughs> because it's just one thing after another, um, So my experiences have been so different from being 18 and then being 24 and now being 38 and now I'm 39 and I'm going to be 40 this year and I'm like oh my god I'm still at uni at 40 years old like what is that about but yeah so um, that's me.
2: I I feel a bit scared picking up the conversation again there when you've just said you're 40 and you're still at university. And for those people (laughs) listening to that podcast, I'm not going to say how old I am, but (laughs) I am still at university as well. (laughs) Uh, You you touched um, upon something there, actually, Tabby, that I thought it might be good for the uh, four of us to also talk a little bit about. And, And that's about some of your reflections on the online learning period as as you say you know you you it's like you started something you started your PhD and then pretty much immediately all of a sudden we're we're all doing things online aren't we just as we we are now I wonder just picking up a bit on that and I'll come to you again first Tabby this time and then then on to to Bevin. what have your reflections been on that online sort of period of study?
3: I have like two hats because I'm a teacher and a student. So as a student, because I've chosen to do a PhD and this is something that I want to do and I'm invested in and I want to do well, I really liked the online experience as a student, as a mature student, as somebody who will do the reading and will do the work and doesn't need her teacher kind of saying, do you understand? And I guess that's the expectation at PhD level. As a teacher teaching undergraduates I've really struggled I've really struggled to try and engage them and and I I feel really I feel really sorry for the students at undergraduate who are online because they're missing this whole social um experience this you know the clubs meeting different people hanging around coffee shops all that kind of thing um as as a mature student I don't miss that at all but I've I've already done it twice so for my, my my students as a teacher for them my heart really breaks for them um, I, we've just gone back onto campus last week full-time and there's some students in my class that um, finished high school online and this is like their first in-person class in two years and my heart breaks for them because I'm like, this, this, this just should not be like this, you you know. So it's it's, it's like a double-edged sword. For myself, I'm really happy to be online because I know I'll do the work. But as a teacher for my undergrad students, um, I, I want to be on campus with them and i want them to have that experience of being a, a proper university student if you will um and I, I know that didn't answer your question <laughs> it, di- no, it, it, it
2: didn't no it didn't and i and probably that's now a perfect time to go, come over to, to Bevin because if ever there's a good place to be hanging around in coffee bars it's got to be paris so Bevin, you're an undergraduate, and you haven't been able to do, you know, the proper things that you're meant to be yeah. doing while you're studying in Paris, which is hanging around in bars How has it been for you as a as a student, uh, you know, doing a lot online? What have your reflections been at this time?
1: I mean, I I feel like so much of what Tabby just said really resonates with me. I think, I mean, I feel like I am a, a kind of a mature student. Like you know, a lot of the people I, when I came in, I was. 21 or 22 but there were students coming in straight out of a levels you know and and they're completely you know fresh to paris and in a, a new city a new country um and we were very fortunate that we had the first term of everything being normal and it was kind of then into the second term that all the lockdowns happened but um things got very strict here very quickly and I do agree that I think especially I think our second year was more affected. You know, we kind of only had the the tail end of my first year online and we're all just kind of trying to muddle through. But I think for the second my second year being entirely online, you know, I do have to say that some aspects I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the fact that actually by being online, you kind of save time with the commute. So I felt like I could be more prepared for classes. I could be more involved with what I was doing because I could be looking over it immediately before we, we start. Um, but equally, you know, I think I felt, I feel very sorry for people who were starting uni in that first year because, you know, we're online, the lecturer is there in front of you, but everybody else kind of like has their camera turned off and nobody wants to say anything. And so I think I was lucky that I had established friendships and relationships in that first term. Um, because I mean, you kind of knew who was there. And even if you weren't speaking, people might have been like messaging offline. Be like, Did you understand what was just said or something? But I think for people who were new and hadn't established those relationships, like university is supposed to be such a social space. It's where you build friendships with people who have very similar interests to you. It's where you build networks for going forward. And actually, none of that is possible when you don't have the opportunity to have those Less formal interactions, and where you feel like that it's a safer space to just kind of completely kind of say, "I don't understand," because I think sometimes there's a pressure that you just can't do that in the classroom. Um, so it did it did feel quite um, limiting to the university experience in that way. I mean, you mentioned there bevin
2: networks, and you know, I think um, something that. Uh, we 've also talked about in the book actually, and one of the, the other chapters has been about uh, networks but it 's been one of those themes I think that's that 's run throughout the the book in various different ways and different guises and as you 've said there's a challenge isn 't there during an online time, certainly initially you know to to be working out how to to develop and start, I suppose, some of mm-hmm. the, the networks, um, as opposed to probably with some of them sort of continuing them. I mean maybe coming coming to, to, to both of you now on the the subject then of of online and of networks as well. I mean, are there have there been ways, you know, that you've thought that there have been some advantages to this time in terms of helping you develop some of those some of those networks, or has it been something that, you know, you found particularly difficult in an online learning environment? Maybe if I come to you, Tabby, first with with that one.
3: Um, I think that because of what I've always done, I'm I'm fairly confident within myself, so I'm quite happy to say, you know, do you want to work together? Should we set up a WhatsApp group? I set them up for our kind of PhD group and I'm quite happy again to say I don't get this as Bevin was saying you know sometimes it's really hard for students or someone said did you get that um so I I know I haven't personally struggled and then obviously when Chris approached me and said do you want to be part of the book I was like yes and every time he kind of does email me I'm like yes I would love to but I know for for other students you know there has been that kind of where you're not used to putting yourself out there when you're not used to um, advocating for yourself. It can be quite hard, and particularly, as Bevan was saying, for an 18-year-old student who's come fresh out of university. Maybe at that point I wouldn't have been able to put myself forward, but, you know, I'm ai am a grown-up woman with two kids, and I just have to get things done, and I'm a teacher as well, so you just if you need something done, you have to do it um but again that's with age and experience it would probably be a lot different for for younger students now um and I think it has been difficult to I mean everyone everyone in like in my PhD knows who Tabby is because I'm the one who's always like well what was this and what was that and I don't and my accent helps because they kind of really remember that oh that's the British girl from and you know we're in an Arab university I think I'm the only British person in so they do remember me because I do put my opinions forward. So when we've all well met face-to-face, it's been like, hiya, and, you know, they know who I am. But then there's, there are quiet students who really struggle, and then they'll kind of message you on their own. And so it's a real, like, personal thing. I think I've myself not struggled, but I know lots of students that have. Um, I love the online thing I love that you're sat in Swansea and you're in Dubai and you're in Paris and we're here and we're having like this awesome conversation i love that but I know for people they don't they think that we're kind of losing the meaning of meetings and and my is saying that business travel probably won't even be a thing anymore now because when you can meet on Zoom why are you gonna why are you gonna fly out to New York for just manage your hours and, and sync up and 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 i think that's that's been the one advantage of this is that we are now able to do this without pd money and funding and etc we're we're having a conversation in four different cities and and it's and it's amazing
2: i mean that is one of those great advantages isn't it of of being yeah. of being online of having the kind of platforms that we have as you you say you know we can have we can have somebody in Dubai, we can have somebody in Abu Dhabi, we can have somebody in Wales, and we we can have somebody in France, uh, and and we can all be talking and interacting and getting to know each other a bit more. Um, I suppose one thing, though, that that I think about this time, thinking about the networking side of it, is in a sense, it's probably a little bit easier, or just as easy to keep networks going, isn't it, online, as long as you've got the facility to work online Um, and something you said early on Bevin, you know made me also think about that in that your course at least did start in person didn't it so you started to at least build up those internal networks around the group that you had so you had that as an advantage before things then going into lockdown and everything moving online because at least you've had that that start I guess one of the challenges for new networks and how to begin things afresh is 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 how we do that, you know, in an environment where we might not have met people before. So I suppose that might be one of those challenges, mightn't it? I'm going to pass back over to, to, to Chris in a minute, who I know is going to ask you a couple of other questions. But one thing I did just want to pick up on quickly was your point there, Tabby, which in a sense as well was about saying yes to things first immediately and then working out how you're going to to, to do it later and i think that and one thing we wanted to do as we go through these podcasts we're also when we get towards the end of each session we're trying to think of a few pointers you know to to be trying to to give people and i think that's probably one isn't it you know there can be a a tendency can't there particularly not necessarily if you're lacking in confidence um But sometimes we'll overthink things, won't we? We'll we'll think about things so much that you think, oh, you know what, I can't do that. Can I give that talk or that presentation, you know, on a subject I really don't know 100% about? Maybe I'll say no. You know, can I do it? Maybe I'll say no. And I think probably, although, you know, there's a a certain amount of common sense about this. You can't say yes to absolutely everything. Um, But to actually try and have that confidence, to give yourself that time to say, yes, you know, actually I I can do this. And then in a sense start to panic about it a little bit later as to how you might be actually going to do it. But to say yes first never never hurts, does it? Because it starts to to widen that to, to widen that comfort zone. So that might be one of those final things we come back to say in terms of one of those pointers. As to as to um, some of the things that we've learned as we go through this period, over to you, uh, Chris. Maybe for the next question or two. Sure.
0: No, thanks very much. Thank you. I'm I'm smiling because uh, I think that's an incredibly relevant point, and it, it links to you know Tabby's um, point about sort of falling into the job, and and you and I have talked about this before, Judith. And uh, you know we're at that sort of point in our respective careers where. we do things because we're sort of moving in a certain line and we're interested in different areas but if I think back on my career development I don't know that there was a plan somebody said can you do this and I said probably not but I'll give it a go and you know and you try and today you don't know and I mean I worked on a branch campus and Judith worked extensively in international education and most of the time there's nobody there that can do this so you're as equally unprepared as everybody else you have a go and the next day you're the expert and then you move on to something else. And I think it's, it's a very good way to build up an area of interest and, and sort of don't be afraid to fail is, is arguably the, I guess, the lesson. Um, I mean, I've, I've been very interested in, in the conversation so far already because I, I interviewed Tabby for her PhD at the university. I've never met her. I've taught her for a module. As of tomorrow, we start another module that um, she and I were um, involved in. And it's entirely possible she'll graduate and I'll never meet her. I mean, it's physically, right? That's an entirely possible. And obviously, Tabby's position of joining a PhD with the foreknowledge that it's going to be this medium, you know, as we've all been saying, is very different from, say, Bevin being in a degree and then it suddenly being locked down. I mean, that's, uh, you know, those expectations are very, very different. Um, but I think for, for both of the women, it's the 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 great thing to hear as an educator is, you know, people having that confidence to be in a position to say, I don't know what this is, can I ask for help? I don't understand this, can you explain it to me? Because, you know, Tabby made that point about being a teacher and, and not being able to connect with the students online. It's terrible as a teacher when you, you know, you give people, you think you give people the opportunity and the space to ask a question and you don't get a question, then you think, well, either everybody knows the answer, which you know can't be true because you're you're not that good of a teacher, or... They're scared to ask you, which means, are you that bad of a teacher? And or you know, and it, it gets this whole sort of cycle where you just think, hey, if you don't know the answer, ask. And Judith and I were talking about this, I think, in one of our previous conversations, that you get to that point in your career where you have the confidence to, to say, I don't understand this. I, I don't, you know, the whole book was not about we know the answer. The whole book was we have a whole bunch of questions and we don't understand most of them and we're at that point where we can say that's a legitimate position to take you know we've we've I guess failed enough and earned the rights to be to be able to say we're not sure about this let's try and ask other people and see what they think um and so maybe that brings us to uh maybe a a bit of a chat about your experience um and Tabby about being involved and being an author in this in the book I mean uh you were obviously approached by members of the the, the writing team uh, Tim Judith and myself and obviously you said yes otherwise we wouldn't be here but you know really we're just interested in maybe your reflections on that process you know what, what it was like to be to be involved in something like this you know if you felt like your voice was heard if you you know you enjoyed it you found it difficult you know just really just your your personal reflections because I don't think it's Judith and I are jaded about this but we there are things that we no longer see right we've we've done this Probably more than you have. There are things to us which are very normal. We maybe still don't think they make sense, but they're more normal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, either one of you really, it's just uh, obviously I'd like to hear from both of you, but you know, um, any reflections you have on, on the process? Um, I know before we started, Bevin actually told us the story of. The book arriving, which is always nice to hear. Um, which I mean, if you'd like to repeat that, that would be that would be great. So maybe maybe if we go to you, Bevin, to start with, if you just your reflections, then we'll we'll come to Tabby, please.
1: Yes, of course. Um, so I mean, sorry before the before the podcast was officially started, I was just saying that. You know, the book arrived at home um, in London, um, and my mum kind of opened it, and she was like, "Oh, like you've ordered this book? Like, uh, what's uh, how come?" And I, I said, "Open the front cover because I think my name might be printed inside." And I have to say, like, that was really a moment for me where I was like, "Do I want to pursue a career in academia? Like, how exciting that you can, you know, cut your, see your name in print somewhere and like, you, you know, that's written and captured in time." Um, I think, honestly, Tabby, what you were saying about, you know, being willing to say yes for things, and I think, Judith, what you were saying about doubting yourself, you know, when I first got the email inviting me to kind of contribute to the book, I was like, I'm not an interesting person, like, I don't understand why I've been asked to do this, um, and I probably won't be what you're looking for, like, maybe I should just say no, like, there must be 101 other people, it would be better place to do this. but. I think, honestly, there is something about just running with the opportunity. And I think the same with, you know, this in, um, the invitation to join this. Um, again, I was kind of like, oh, no, like this. I I don't know that what I'll say will be OK. I don't know if it's going to suit what the podcast will want. But honestly, this is, again, like such a lovely experience. And I think there is something about just the repeated attempt and like willing to put, willingness to put yourself out there that like genuinely... I suppose teaches you so much about yourself and helps you to grow and say yes to more things um but in terms of actually contributing to the book um I think I found it really interesting as I was kind of filling in the the questions almost trying to understand what it was you were hoping to gain from the responses like what were you trying to steer out of questions that were open-ended, you know, it wasn't like a survey and you were going to analyse the, the responses, it was very much open-ended, how do you feel about various X, Y, and Z. Um, and then also there was briefly an uh, like email interaction between the contributors afterwards, because you very kindly kind of e-introduced us, but I feel like as, with, you know, as we've discussed about the, the drawbacks of being online initially. I think because there was never an opportunity for a face-to-face interaction between us or like I don't think that ever really de- developed into anything more like w- the conversation kind of stopped quite soon after and so I do think um, like it is it is important I think at least in the initial stages of kind of higher education to have a dual approach like just so that there is a little bit of face time and then once that relationship is established And then you're absolutely right, like being online can be wonderful for maintaining networks. There's such a, you know, a plethora of ways to be in contact with people. Um, Sorry, I feel like I've gone off a tangent now. Tell me if I'm not answering the question anymore.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. And I think it's um, interesting that you think we thought we had a direction um because we didn't <laughs> we absolutely okay. didn't uh, particularly uh, the, the business of or the practice of sort of writing a book and then having an edited book where you have contributors is you want their voice like you 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 sort of set the you know the general themes of the of the book and then you just let people get on with it which is twofold one you get interesting ideas and two you don't have to micromanage so your editing process is spell checking right you're you're not trying to reconstruct their views you're trying to just say what's your perspective from where you are who you are and what you're currently thinking about so uh, yeah no, that, i just think that's it's almost as if the that's the teacher student is like well, what how do they want to mark this essay like what do they want me to to write down <laughs> which i get i mean I, I understand that perfectly but um yeah that wasn't that wasn't remotely our intent um yeah no but but thank you very much for that i mean that's that's very interesting to to hear and certainly the the idea of you know we keep coming back to this you know i'm I'm quite happy teaching online particularly at your level and and tabby's level in particular you know when you 've got you know engaged um practitioners who are responsible um I'm teaching undergrads and that's a, as tabby says that's a completely different um animal but I'd like to have the first one to two to three weeks in person and then probably be able to move online for the most part and then maybe sort of dip back in and out. So, yeah, I I very much agree with with that point. Um, And it's funny, before I pass to Tabby, I'll tell both of you something that my, when I was a very, very lowly teaching fellow um, and I published my first book, which was born straight out of the PhD, so there wasn't really much that needed to be done. My then head of school, Professor Richard Aldrich, said to me, and I've never forgotten it, and he said, welcome to immortality. Because you, and now nobody's read the book, but you know, it's, it's, it exists. Um, It's on my shelf. Uh, It's, yeah, it's, it's something inside you that it's a very strong feeling of just having it on a, on a shelf. So yeah, both of you, welcome, welcome to immortality. However, however you choose to take that. It was a very nice sentiment when it was said to me. So I like to pass it along sort of as the community grows. So, sorry, Tabby, please. um, Any, uh, any thoughts or reflections you, you have?
3: Um, I felt it was a really cathartic process. I feel that this really gave me an opportunity to talk about what I was going through with regards to trying to do this thing, do, you know, do my, because I was really massively pushed into doing the PhD. I didn't make the decision myself ultimately, but it was two years of constant like badgering from the people I was like um, conducting research with and my husband and my dean. So it was a decision that I did have to come to and then. And then for someone to say, "How's it going? <laughs> how are you finding it?" It was a real, you know, and I and I spent quite a while writing my answers down and thinking, "Wow, like is, is this really me?" And I reread it back and thought, "Yeah, that's that, This is actually me. This is me writing how I'm feeling about what I'm going through right now." Um, and then I really liked the fact that we got to be part of the the conference as well, because then it was kind of. You know, because was a couple of months from the questionnaire and then this is a couple of months after the conference. So it's felt that there's been um, like a constant follow-up to add on to... Um, I've actually enjoyed learning online. I think initially I was a bit like, oh, no, I don't like this. But now I can say, no, I've actually really enjoyed doing my PhD online because Berman was saying, you know, the, the commute time, it's an, it's an hour and 20 minutes from here to campus. I do like going on to campus, but actually... I'm quite happy sitting here and and learning online because um, I've committed to my PhD and I know I'll do the work and we're in proposal stage now and I'm very much trying to be focused. So, um, but that periodic um, questioning that that, um, Chris and Judith have brought to say, how's it going? You know, what are you finding hard? What are you finding easy? That has been really nice because, you know, um, being a mom, being a teacher, kind of having all these different hats, no one ever asks you, How's it going for you? Because you're just th- 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 constantly. So I felt that it's been a really cathartic process. And yeah, seeing my name, um, I have been published. So I, that, the thing that Bevin had where you see your name and you're like, oh my God, it's amazing. Uh, I have had that before, but not in a book, in, in, in journal articles. So that was really nice. And I've got the book right in front of me. It's right there in my nice sack <laughs> My name's in there. And my kids loved it. My kids were like running around saying, mommy's in a book, mommy's in a book. And then, so um, yeah. And it's nice for them to see that as well, that, you know, look, you can do this. You can do it as well. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's um, not really much to respond to that. That's kind of a, an excellent, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what makes, it, it seems very trite to say what makes it all worth it, because that wasn't remotely our plan. When we started, we wanted to hear from people, you know, we wanted to hear, in essence, we wanted people to try and answer the questions we couldn't, really, you know, we we. Judith and I had lots of, com- lots of conversations on Zoom in the lockdown, <laughs> um, mostly, I mean, fascinating, but they never came to an end. They just created another 17 questions that led to another 17 conversations and, and that just, just kept going. And eventually one of us said, should we write this down? And, and we did, and that's where we, we sort of we came to. Um, but it is, it is very, very encouraging to hear um, these types of things. Like my, uh, my daughter asked me what I do for a living and she knows what I do for a living. She's been to my office pre-COVID and she knows I'm a, she knows I'm a teacher. But she says, well, what do, you, what do you do? And I was like, well, I think about things and sometimes I write them down. <laughs> and she's like, oh, right. And now you get to tell her, you know, this is what we do. Like we, we sort of work through the next level of, of understanding and, and build that community. And it's a, it's a very, very good thing to be involved in. Um, so thank you very we, much we to took- those. Sorry, sorry, please, Judith, please. I'm
2: just thinking we, tu- we touched... A number of times haven't we upon in a sense the 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 question of whether there's an answer to things and uh, very often and I suppose actually and I, and way way back I was a, a, a trained teacher, and you know very often we knew didn't we at school when we were asked the question by a teacher that the teacher knew the answer, it was almost the two plus two is and and therefore as you even you know it doesn't matter how old you are but as you get older you you're almost still expecting that aren't you somebody's asking you a question and actually they're they're pretty much they're clear about what the answer is they just they either want you to prove that you know the answer or they want you to affirm that their answer is indeed the answer that's that's correct and and um, and it was so it was very interesting that you were saying, Bevan, you know, in terms of, you know, you get you get this list of questions and you think, what, what are they looking for here? What's their steer? What do I need to put in here that's going to going to tick the boxes for, for what, um, what Judith and Chris and Tim want? Uh, and actually, yes, it wasn't that at all very much. It was uh, questions that we'd been thinking about. Ourselves and we certainly didn't have the answers to, or questions that were very much open ended, and where, where the reflections and the discussion around some of the, the the questions led to other types of questions, and that's how we've we've talked already on these podcasts, Chris and I, about how we started to bring bits of the book together, and and how we very often start at the beginning of bringing a chapter together on a general topic of something that we were going to write about with not a notion at all about how it was going to look at the end or indeed yeah. at the middle when yeah. we were at the beginning of it. And it, and it sort of shaped and, and hence the word sort of evolution has come to play a lot more in the book than we originally... I was going to say that we originally thought it would, we didn't originally think of the word that was going to be there at all in no. the beginning. One thing I think is... Um, is interesting in, in looking at your responses and the, and the responses of other contributors to that chapter as you will notice when you, you look at it, is how do they do weave together and that's I think one thing that we did find particularly interesting, that there for some answers if we can use that real broad term, there was a sort of commonality you know but I suppose actually it was less from our point of view about the details. It wasn't as prosaic as what's the answer. It was less about the detail of the answer and it was more, I think, we found about the way in which you'd approach things. You know, there was a a real there was there was often there was an enthusiasm, there was an ambition, there was a there was a focus, you know, there was a a resilience, that's what we certainly felt. And very often there was a humour in there, you know, and that I think, irrespective sometimes of the actual content of some of those things, some of those thematic areas, I think we found particularly interesting, you know, when we were initially reading what you'd, you'd written, but then also in discussions that we've had with you afterwards. Some of the things we will pick up, though, I, I think, um, after today and as we go forward is is also how we work with you to develop the network your point was very well made bevin that you know we brought you all together but because nobody has actually met in person except chris and myself you know um we it, it you you meet don't you but actually you need people to properly you need us to be bringing you together a couple of times or a few times so that you can start to develop those relations and you can take that network forward yourself can not you and, and we're doing the podcast now we're really keen to maybe working with you to to do some conference sessions some other discussion sessions some webinars you know things I think uh, where we can be putting forward your points of view and you can putting those forward um, and I suppose what you've hopefully realized is that you've got something really important to say but that you don't always really know what you've got to say until you start to say it. You know, so if you start at the beginning of a sentence, you don't quite know what the end of the sentence is going to look like, don't worry about it, just keep on plowing through, you know, you'll get to the end of it. Very often you'll get to the end and you'll think, actually, that was a very good valid point. I didn't even know I thought that, you know. And probably that's also what studying's about, isn't it? Certainly when you get to doing your PhD, there isn't, there isn't an answer, but there isn't an answer. I think in any higher education study, it's just about different ways in which you you approach things. As we start to come towards the end of this um, podcast, I was just going to come back to you both now with maybe some of your thoughts on what you think the future of higher education might look like. Um, We did touch upon this a little bit before And obviously, we've talked today about online, about networks, things like that, but really interested to know, you know, what some of your pointers might be in terms of what is the future of higher education as we start to move in to a different phase in our evolutionary process. Maybe I'll come to you, Tabby, first
3: with that one, your reflections on the future of higher education. I think that there's so many options now and and I feel that higher education has become so it's just become accessible to so many more people because of the online option. I do feel that we're in a bit of a flux in the UAE at the moment, so I don't I don't wanna focus on the UAE in regards to what we're doing with higher education. But I think generally I think um, for people going into higher education they make an option, they make a choice saying, I'm gonna be online or I'm gonna be face to face. Oh, we do what Chris and Bevin were saying, and the few first few sessions are face to face, and then the rest is kind of online. But um, I think that the pandemic has given us the ability to educate people everywhere. As long as, like you were saying, Judith, as long as you've got internet and you've got a computer, you've got the facilities, it's available to us all now. And I think that that's that's amazing because I know so many people off just so many of my friends and stuff have said, well, she's doing a PhD start at home. Maybe I can do that master's that I've been trying to do for years and I'll start that now. And I can, and you know, and the online options are there now and universities are kind of thinking, Ooh, cha-ching, let's get this done. But you know, in that one of trying to make a profit and trying to make a business, they're also offering it to so many more people who, who didn't have access before. So, um, I I do think though that there should be at the beginning of the course there should be a do you want to be online or do you want to be face-to-face and then you commit to that mode of teaching this whole blended thing I'm trying to do this at the moment trying to teach students in front of me and trying to teach students on zoom it's 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 a nightmare as a teacher and as a student because those poor students online get completely forgotten because you're focusing on the students that are in front of you and so I do, I think that that should be going forward, higher education should say, right, this is an online course, stay online, this is a face-to-face course, come in and let's do classes together and and um, higher education will just get out more and more and there's so many people that want to learn and want to do things but don't feel that they've ever had the access to do that and, and they can now because if you've got a laptop and a, and a half decent Wi-Fi connection, you're good to go.
2: That's great, Tabby. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? I think sometimes in in our efforts to try and maybe try and do everything at once, you mentioned about the blended option or that that sort of hybrid teaching, I think sometimes people are doing that because they think that's good actually because we're covering all all of the bases here we're doing some online we do and it's actually really interesting to hear a reflection there that probably what you're doing is is not the best for anybody. You know you've almost got to make a decision do you do it one way or the other for some of these courses and then then stick to that That's, I think a really a, a very interesting reflection there um Tabby over to you Bevan what what do you what do you think
1: future of think, higher education is <laughs> um, a nice small question for you <laughs> well uh, <laughs> um I think I really resonate with um what Tabby said because um it was the same for us i think the moment we started to attempt hybrid classes i knew i had to come in because i was like that is where the better end of the deal is um you know you, you if you've got multiple people on a call at the same time and somebody tries to speak you know they they might speak over each other and then the, their mics will cancel out so they're, they're completely not a part of the conversation if there's a lag the conversation could have progressed you know however many minutes before they can jump in with something so i really agree that you do have to choose one or the other and then like stick with it but i think um also i really agree with the idea that it really that the opportunity to work and study online i don't think is going anywhere <laughs> um it is just so much more efficient um, and it does enable us to almost like democratise these spaces now that they all of a sudden can fit around people who have got other obligations or other re- responsibilities that they now too can be a part of this because study doesn't have to be the thing that defines their day and where they are at a given point in time. And I mean, obviously, I know that there are benefits to that. Like I love coming in here and I love the I, I love the idea that, you know, the idea of being a full-time student because study is work and you are developing yourself and that requires time and energy and um i think it's just you know i suppose to your point about you know making this a you know, a business and making it like you know profitable as well so that you can keep investing in it and improving it um i think there are very few you know full-time pure students now so i think it kind of just matches the direction that our world is moving in, anyway, you know, it it, it enables people to pursue their passions, their interests, alongside the nitty gritty things that have to get done at at the same time. um So yeah, I think it's here to stay, and I have really enjoyed it too. I think if I could make one more point, it would just be to touch on like I, mean, I feel like there's a theme within what you've said about wanting to like whether that's you knowing you will get the work done or that you want to achieve x results um i think the whole experience and the whole process is a lot easier when you know you are surrounded by people with that same kind of narrow kind of track mind of like okay that's what i'm aiming for and i can now identify the things i need to do to get there and i think maybe because the undergraduate experience it's your first time where you're not you're know, like in a classroom with the teacher who is checking out okay, you need to you know your classes at this time you need to be in this classroom and then you go over here you know you have so much independence and i think it's your opportunity to practice that self-discipline of how do i achieve this with so much time for independent study and i think that probably is where a lot of the kind of frustration comes from because as a final like aside um I was really fortunate last year I was on the Student Union and I helped to co-organise kind of a climate conference between our institution and uh, University of Grenoble and Estia in the Basque country and it was amazing how when you've got you know groups of students who like have a real passion and drive like want to have these um, interactions with various specialists and whatever that network was established so um well in terms of connecting with people of different geographies we had never met in person but people were so engaged they were going to have their cameras turned on to like put that and say but what about in this case and then the conversations that were happening offline as well were so engaged um i think there is something about having that that common drive and sensing that in other people that means that possibly you don't even need to have the preliminary let's all be together in a room to get to know each other but you need that, that real common link between you all. I don't know, but yeah, are <laughs> my thoughts. Before, um, before
2: I hand back to, to Chris for a final few words, I'm going, I'm going to come back to you both with a, a, a final sort of question really, in terms of maybe one thought that you would give to a, a future student, you know, somebody, sitting there poised over a a hot screen thinking about whether they will study to do an undergraduate or whether they will study to do a PhD or or something like that and um, I suppose one thing I would say before I do hand to the two of you um, and one thing that really has struck me today is a phrase I think you used Bevin, about running with the opportunity somebody says something to you about you know here's an opportunity for you why don't you try and take it take it if you can but to bring together one of the other points you've been making I think which is really important make sure you can commit to it because you because it's not easy where whatever you do whether it's online, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's blended, we definitely know that's not easy. Um, But, you know, if you've got that passion and that enthusiasm, then probably you can run with that opportunity. But, yeah, what what might be one of your sort of key thoughts to share with a, a future student? Come to you, Bevan, first for that one before we come to Tabby.
1: Um gosh that is a I feel like that's the big question um I feel like maybe I would say to them I mean firstly yeah to go to go with it I think if you found yourself like you're saying sat in front of this screen and you know you clearly you'll have done your research you'll have looked into what you know interests you and what you've been drawn to and especially I think like you were saying tabby you know there's people around you say you should do this like this is exactly what you need to do and you know you trust these people um then I think absolutely to to take take it you know take it with both hands and and go for the opportunity but I think also to go for it with an open mind because I think you know for me anyway when I first started here I really did have such a narrow sense of what it was I was coming here to do like I was like I'm going to study so that I am more employable and I will continue on this trajectory and actually you know the experience itself the being here the the so many different experiences and opportunities it will offer to you kind of don't close yourself off to those um because it's it's enriching in more ways than just coming out with the piece of paper at the end so I think yeah being being open to more saying more yeses than just starting the journey but also along the way the the small little side roads you might get to explore at the same time great thanks bevin tabby
3: your thoughts um not to steal a slogan off a big sports company but literally just just do it like if you've thought about it and you're sitting in the applications there just go for it it's um i you know each kind of decision uh, the undergrad was just it was an undergraduate i didn't really think about it i just wanted to get out of this really small town in manchester and so I wanted to go to Leeds but the the two times again I've been to university each time it's opened my mind I've got so many different people and um, the experiences that I've had um, as Bevin was saying you know kind of the sidetrack this was a sidetrack and you know it's it's been so helpful and so fruitful for me so it is it's just go for it and you know opening your mind and and to new experiences and to new learning is never going to be a detriment it's always going to be advantageous to whatever you decide to do in life um And I guess because of where I am, um, I, you know, I do that, you know, being in the UAE, it's quite tough, I know, for women to kind of work with small children and et cetera. And it's not set up for the working mother, if you will. And so I know that my friends who don't work have seen me and thought, well, she can do it. I can do it. And, And I know that, you know, at least four of my friends have started masters and one's thinking of doing her PhD now and just, that's just me just kind of being a little influence on, and, you know, and then that will go forward and it is just about paying it forward and then they'll pay it forward to somebody else and they'll pay it forward to somebody else. So, um, at any point, if anybody wants to go and learn, the answer should always be, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it.
2: Yes. Such an inspiring pair of women. And it's been terrific to talk to you today. I'm going to hand back to Chris.
0: Um, thank you, Evan. Thanks, you, and obviously, thank you to to Tabby and Bevin. Uh, I mean, I've I've found this very uplifting and very interesting, and I think the the main themes that come out for me are community and hope. You know, we've all lived through very difficult last couple of years, and and we've done it. Some of us as teachers, some of us done it as students, and some of us have done it as teachers and students simultaneously. And this has been phenomenally difficult. And yet your, your view and your perspective is, yeah, onwards, upwards, like take what you can learn and move. And I think that's a fantastic message that there's something of value in everything we do. And I think that's, you know, it's, yeah, be open to, be open to conversations, but, you know, take what you can and learn from it and don't be afraid to fail. And, and this idea of community, you know, whether we're paying it forward, whether we're paying it across, whether we're just in a classroom and just supporting each other, you know, we don't get taller because somebody else falls down. Right we We all work and we push together and and it's a uh, you know if the last year has taught us anything it's society needs more people that are kind they need it needs more people that interact and that you know engage with each other and and look to help and if we can do that by learning and engaging then then so much the better um so this has been a you know when judith and i i mean technically we began this book eight or nine years ago, um but we sort of began it in earnest. I can't even remember whichever, I can't get the COVID years right, whenever the lockdown was, so whatever that is, a year and a half or two years ago, I can't remember now. And, you know, we not only did we not envision where the book would end, there's no way we envisioned this. None, none at all. And so what the two of you and obviously the other the other student voice contributors have done have really, in a way, validate what we've done from a perspective of yeah, if you give people the opportunity, we can learn tremendous amount from different perspectives that we never considered before. And Judith and I are, or however you choose to see it, we're somewhat of an expert in our field. And we started a project with no real understanding of where we were going or what we were trying to do or what the answer would look like. Or even if we knew we'd get, would we recognize the answer when we saw it? And probably, probably not. So this has been, this has been fascinating. And, and you know, we, we genuinely appreciate your time Your energy, your intellect, your knowledge, you know, and sharing this has been, this has been fantastic. And obviously, we'll, we'll do what we can to make this as as public as possible. um, Because, you know, more people should hear what your ideas are. And as you say, in turn, that will without a doubt, engender other ideas and other progress. And that's, that's the point, right? That's education, that's evolution, right? That's, see, when, when you came up with the word, Judith, it may have taken us nine months to get there, but evolution absolutely captured the, the concept we didn't know we were always trying to get to. <laughs> yes. So, I, for me, um, thank you very much indeed. This has been fantastic. And, and Judith, if you have any, any final words you'd like to, to say, and then we'll we'll wrap up. But for me, thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Just to echo what you said there, Chris, you know, we, we didn't know at the beginning what this was going to look like I'd say at the end except I don't feel it's the end I think we're just taking different parts of this journey in different sorts of ways and learning how to respond and I suppose bring people along on the journey as well uh, and learn from that I mean the the point that Chris has just made you know about and, and it builds on your point earlier Bevin about there being been something of value in everything that we do. In the things that we do where, you know, we don't succeed, however we might define that, you know, where we feel as though we didn't succeed. But very often, let's face it on reflection, when you look back, something that you might have failed at, you might have learnt a lot more from than something where you potentially passed it quite easily. You know, if you were doing a test or something like that. And I, and I think that's that's certainly something that, that I've, I find really exciting about this. So it's wonderful to be able to be part of the journey with you and for you to help inform what, what we're doing. Thank you very much for your input today and uh, look forward to carrying on these discussions with you in the future. Thank you very much.